we're in this series talking about starting over, and, and if, um, if you've ever started over and looked back at the last time you did something, you know, it's like, man, last time, it, would, it just exploded in my face. It was not a good thing. And you look at the next time, and you look at it, and you say, I want next time to be better than the last time. It could be anything. It could be a new career, uh, a new relationship. It could be school. Um, you know, maybe you're wondering if you go, you're going to go back to school. Um, you may want the next time to be better than the last time. And maybe the last time wasn't your fault, right? It was, it was their fault. We're going we're gonna to talk about that next week, right? Everybody's going to be here next week. <laughs> like, oh, all right. So uh, it was their fault. Or, or maybe, maybe you had a little bit to play, or maybe it was all your fault. Um, but here's, here's what we've said so far. Um, we learn quickly in the areas that matter least to us, right? Board games, right? We learn, we play shoots and ladders one time, we learn, we dominate, right? Risk, we're taking over the world second time around, right? Sports, hobbies, my son is learning, he's learning baseball and basketball and all these sports and he gets better and better and he, he, he learn, picks it up quick, right? So we learn, you know, what in the areas that matter least in the things that, you know, are in our lives that are not that big of a deal long term. Texting, you're not going to send out that text message twice, right? To everybody. But for some reason, we have a hard time learning in the areas that matter most. Um, we have a hard time learning from the mistakes that we make financially or relationally or scholastically, right? Um, we, we tend to kind of do the same thing over and over again. And so, as we've said uh, the last two weeks, there is one common denominator in all of your mistakes. What is that? You, right? Me. There's one common denominator. You keep following yourself around. And so when it comes to starting over, we're going to look at three essential things that you have to do for the next time to be better than the last time. Last week, we talked about owning it. Owning your part of the equation. And, and nobody liked that message, right? I mean, that was the message, like, ah, oh, you know. But we learned that you can, you can blame yourself into the future, right? Now, you can't blame yourself into a better future, but you can blame yourself into the future. And blame allows you to smuggle all of your stuff, your dysfunctions and your dissatisfaction and your insecurities and your struggles and your addictions and the question is, why would you want to sneak that stuff forward when it has sabotaged your life in the past? Nobody wants to do that, but in order to not do it, you have to own it. And to own it means you have to take full responsibility for whatever your part was. Now, this is difficult, like we said last week, because we all want to tell our sad victim story, right? We all, in our mind, we're like, well, let me tell you this side of the story. Because if I tell you the whole story, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we were both really at fault here. It was awful. But the thing is, when you own it, you get no sympathy, right? And that's when, why we don't want, we want the sympathy. We want people on our side. But owning up to it is a step forward so that the next time won't be like the last time. Today, I want to talk about rethinking it. And then next week, as I said, we're going to talk about their side of the equation of the equation and releasing it all right so here's what i mean by rethinking it 
when you think back to whatever it is that you're struggling with, that, that reoccurring thing, all right, even if it's not your fault, you ask yourself this question. What was I thinking? Right? In that situation, you look back and you go, man, what was I thinking? Right? Everybody told me he wasn't right for me, but, you know, what was I thinking? My mama said she's not the one, but I said I love her, and she said, well, what do you love about her? And I said, give me, some, give me a minute here. I don't know. What was I thinking? Right? It's just sort of this statement that we make most of the time, and we move on, right? He's cute, right? What was I thinking? Oh, he's cute too, right? You move on. Zero percent down, no payments for eight years. What was I thinking? I'll take another one, right? It's just a question. Why did I get involved with that company? What was I thinking? I'll take that job. Right? 30% return guaranteed. Why did I buy that? Why did I end up with so much credit card? What was I thinking? Want to go shopping? Right? I mean, we, we, we do this and we just spout it out. But here's the amazing thing about these situations. When you look back on these decisions, they don't make sense to us either, do they? Like, you look back... And they never made sense to anybody else. But when we look back, we go, that doesn't make sense to me either. And so in order for the next time to literally not be like the last time, we have to ask ourselves, what was I thinking? And then we all intuitively ask the question, but we have to camp out and come up with a real answer. And so we have to answer the question. It seems so simple, right? But life moves fast. Here's why. If you think the way you used to think, then you will act the way you used to act. You will do the things that you used to do. It's that simple. History will repeat itself because nothing has changed. Now, we're going to look at this principle. It's in Romans 12, 1 through 2. You probably, if you've been in church, you've probably heard this verse a thousand times. It's written by a guy named Paul. And Paul uh, used to be a Pharisee. He was the guy who would go out, and he was serious about his job. He held every rule, every law, everything. And when Christianity started rising up, he started killing Christians. Because they said that they were Jews and the Messiah had come. And they're just false Jews, is what he was saying, what he was thinking. So he started killing these guys. But then one day on the way to a city called Damascus, God rattled his cage. I mean, seriously. Blinded him. Bright light. Three days. He's blind, wandering around, wondering what's going on. But he knows Jesus has done this because who, he, said, he asked him, he said, who are you? When Jesus is talking to him, and he says, I am Jesus. And so he is writing. This is long after this. He has become a Christ follower. And here he is writing one of the deepest letters to a group of churches in the city of Rome. And in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, there's only two verses we're going to look at today. Is verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, a living, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now let's, let's break a few of these words down. Mercy. We throw mercy, grace and mercy around a lot. But they're two different things. Mercy 
is punishment that God has withheld on us. Grace is a gift that we don't deserve. They are two different things. And so God's, uh, Paul says, in view of God's mercy on us, the punishment that we deserve, he says, in view of that, offer your bodies, not just your heart, not just your mind, but your physical bodies. Offer that to God. Now, what, how do we offer this? As a living sacrifice. Now, in this culture, they saw bloody, gory sacrifices all the time. I mean, people would bring cattle and sheep and, and uh, uh, doves, and they would slaughter them, and they would, they would roast them on the altar, and it was a sacrifice to God. So this is, this is kind of weird for them because Paul is saying be living sacrifices. In other words, don't think killing an animal is okay with God. God wants you here and now. It's about offering yourself. He says, I want you to be a living daily, moment by moment, watch me live for your glory sacrifice. Right here, right now. Verse 2, first part. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what he's talking. These are the details of what it means to be a living sacrifice. If you conform to the pattern of the world, you are going to be like everybody else. You're going to live like everybody else. You're going to have relationships like everybody else. You're going to be in debt like everybody else. You're going to have unhappy people around you. You will be unhappy just like everybody else. You'll go with the flow of culture. You'll go with the flow of culture. Don't allow yourself to do this. Be transformed. Now, they just came out with a fourth movie, right, of this. This is Bumblebee. And this is the most complex transformer that they ever made, right here, okay? And God wants us to be transformed into the person that he created us to be. Do you, do you know how much intentionality you have to have to conform to the world? Zero. Zero. You just get up, you go through life, and before you know it, you're just like everybody else. It takes no discipline, no work, no self-control to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Now, that's how the world produces people. That's how the evil one, the devil, Satan, that's how he works. He has, he has a pattern. And he loves to stamp people out. Maybe this is a pretty pattern. Maybe it's a regular pattern. But he's got a pattern. Now, your pattern may be goth, but... You know what? That's a, just a pattern just like everything else. Your pattern may be the jock, but that's a pattern just like it. It could be anything. And I'm not saying that, oh, sports is bad and all that stuff. I think y'all know me better than that. But here's the thing. He takes the pattern and he says, you're different. But you're not different. You're just like everybody else on the inside. There's a reason worldly relationships all flow the same way to sex. There's a reason that worldly, career-minded people all flow the same way to the top for the power. There's a reason, <laughs> there's a reason 
addicts end up lonely. I've never known an addict, and I've got, I just had a funeral for my cousin. I've never known an addict to die in the company of other people. It's always alone. There's a reason worldly people always want bigger and better. It's greed, because it's never satisfied. These are, these are patterns. And there's a whole lot more. And this is how sin moves in and it moves people around and it gets them to do what they want, they, what, what he wants them to do and it manipulates. And the ultimate goal is this, to destroy you, to kill you. That is the ultimate goal. Paul says, I want you to be different. I want you to be transformed. Now, take a look at this clip. In the movies, in the movies, this looks pretty easy, right? Play that clip for me, will you, Matt? All right, about a minute, he's transformed, right? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if it's that easy? I mean, even, even in like with actors and drama, you know, movies and all that kind of stuff, two hours, they, they find the problem, the guy's all cool, he, he doesn't realize his problem, and then all of a sudden it's an epiphany one day, and he wakes up, and he changes, right? Wouldn't it be nice if it were that easy? Wouldn't it be nice if we could just transform like Optimus Prime? Now, here's the thing. Even Optimus Prime... To create that transformation right there, they had to individually move 10,108 parts. His face alone has 200 moving parts. The movie cost $150 million to make, much of which was computer work, and it took a team of 350 people a full year to make the robots. That's what went into that shot right there. It's not really that easy. People like to make it look easy, TV, the movies, all that kind of stuff. They make it look effortless, but in reality, transforming our minds is hard. It's hard, and it takes action that can only be initiated by you. Now, as I said, this is the most complex transformer that is out there. It's called the Ultimate Bumblebee. My uh, father bought this for the kids. And it has been a, a, a pain in my rear ever since he got it. I mean, it is, the kids come up to me once a week. Can you, can you transform him? Um, I, think, I think he rivals Optimus Prime with the 10,000 parts here. Now, here's the thing. I can't ever get it, and I quit. But then I went online uh, the other day, and I found this kid. Roll, roll that clip. He does it in four minutes.
He made me ashamed to be a father because I, I mean, there's this other guy, he's online, he did it in 15 minutes, and then I found the kid, and I was like, oh, man, wow. I mean, that's amazing to me, but it's not easy. That's a four-minute clip sped up to about 20, 30 seconds. It takes a lot of work to be transformed. I'd rather be a transformer than a conformer. I'd rather be a transformer than a conformer. I don't want my marriage to end like everybody else's. I don't want it to be like everybody else's. I don't want to be under crushing debt. I don't want to get old and wonder why my kids don't want to come see me. I, I really want to be transformed on the inside. So the question is how? And Paul says it's by renewing your mind. Oh, well, that's easy, right? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, but in order to do that, you've got to make some changes right here. And you've got to ask yourself, what was I thinking? To renew means to restore. Anybody ever restored a car or a piece of furniture? What do you have to do in order to repaint it? Strip it down. Because if you put the new on over the old, what happens? It peels right off. It's the same way here. And when you strip yourself down to, to get back to say, God, I need you and you alone. I don't need all this other junk in my life. Depending on your situation, this could be called humility. It could be called brokenness. More than likely, it is definitely repentance. But you've got to do it. Because if you put on the new before you take off the old, the old peels off. The new peels off, rather. Renewing your mind takes time. And as we talked about last week, time is your friend. We look at it as our enemy, but it is your friend. Because if you simply try to slap on the new over the old, a new dedication, a new resolve, a, a new relationship, whatever it may be, and you never broke the old habits, it's all going to peel off. It's never going to work. It's never going to take. If you don't peel off the old, the new peels right off. It takes time for the Holy Spirit to detox you of that stuff, that sin that gets its tentacles around your heart and your mind. Right? We, we so want God to change us just instantly, and He can, and He does, and I've met people who He has done that with, but for the most part, He's working with us, asking us to take one step and He'll take 99. We take one more step, and he'll take that other 99. He wants us to put in some effort. And it takes time to get into a regular routine, to spend quality time with God, right? It takes time to transition from that addiction. And it may and I'm not talking about just drugs or alcohol or something like that, but that thing that's got itself wrapped around you. And it takes time to transition from that to listening and hearing from God. It takes time. The second part of this verse it says, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know what God's will is for you? Then you have to take some time and renew your mind. It's not a rush job. It's not an Amazon Prime kind of thing. This is going to take some time. If you want to discern what God's will is for your life, you've got to take the time and let your mind change and renew. This is why it's so important to be here every Sunday. 
This is why it's so important to be involved in our, our life groups, our home groups, or, or just going to dinner with each other, right? We, we started a new thing last week where it's called Eat Together. Just go eat together, right? Just go hang out and enjoy the fellowship of each other. But you need to go deep so God can transform your mind. It doesn't just happen by spending a few minutes in prayer, you know, with that wish list. You know, I got this and this big thing today and this week. It says, right? You need to be at home. Here's the thing. It's not just reading. You need to study the Word of God. Study it. Ask, why is he saying this? I don't understand this. Man, let those questions take you. You got my numbers, most of you, right? Or your leaves or somebody, right? Call me. I don't know if I can answer it, but I can try. And if I don't, I'll try to find the answer for you. But this is why we want you to participate and get engaged and get challenged. Because if you do this, then it will renew your mind. It will challenge you to think in different ways. And all of a sudden, you're going to bump up to these assumptions that you didn't know were false. But you've believed, right? On the website, we've got seven lethal assumptions. On the members page, go to that. Um, if you need the password, I can give that to you. Um, it's the members section. Seven lethal assumptions. We just, we just assume and we just kind of buy into, but they're so wrong. If you think the way you used to think, you will do what you've always done. We need to answer the question, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Answer it. And until you've taken the time to answer the question, I want to challenge you not to jump back into something else. Don't just jump back in until you've taken off the old and let that new consume you. Next time will look too much like the last time if you don't do that. Don't be a conformer, be a transformer. Be bumblebee. You can be optimist, you can be jazz, whoever you want to be, but be a transformer. Don't buckle down and say, I'm going to do it right the next time. Renew your mind. Next time can be better than the last time through the renewing of your mind, but it takes time. Let me pray. Father, sometimes these messages are hard and, and um, sometimes they hit home. Uh, for anybody here, Lord, including myself, we can all think back to these situations that we've been in that we don't want it to be like that next time. So in those environments, in those situations, we pray that you will renew our minds and that we will fight the rush to jump back in. Change our hearts, God. Change us from the inside so that next time we'll be better. Next time we can serve you and follow you Father, we know without Jesus, without you, we cannot do this. So, Lord, we ask that you will speak to our hearts and change us from the inside out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.